Hello, and welcome to the first episode, the uh, first episode of High Floor Football. I mean, welcome. If you're here, we appreciate it. Uh, if it's your first time, you're not alone because it's everybody's first time. It is our first episode. And contrary to what Derek was saying in our pre-show, you are in for a treat. Uh, we're excited to have him. He's a great guest. He's going to kick us off. And, you know, he's uh, pretty pretty well accomplished in the fantasy space. Again, contrary to what he might tell you, he's an NFL and fantasy writer. He's talking about fantasy, talking about football at Fantasy Pros. Uh, he was a DFS Writer of the Year finalist, uh, which we talked about a little bit pre-show as well. So we'll get into that. Derek, how are you? Good to have you. <laughs> I talked about this before we turned the mics on, guys. Uh <laughs> I mean, y'all are being one. You're being far too kind. Uh, we need to get that out of the way first off before we get roll everything. Second off, you're supposed to start at the top and like really just blow it out, and so people are like, "Wow, why the hell are y'all getting me on as the first guest?" Like, you gotta aim higher than this. Uh, I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the kindness. Um, but far, far too nice. Um, I'm happy to be here, happy to talk prospects, happy to talk whatever the hell we're going to sit here and discuss on this show, football, NFL, Dynasty, whatever, whatever comes up. Um, so thank you all for having me, man. This is going to be a blast. Yeah, and my beautiful co-host, Sam Wagman, at SWagman95, who is a content creator, a contributor for Roto Baller, which is a little bit new. So Sam, you can tell us about that. Uh, and, you know, we're happy to kick this thing off. So Sam, what you got? Absolutely, man. I, you know, I'm just thrilled to have Derek on here because even though he is so fond of saying, you know, that I should be kicking off with better people than him, I cannot think of a better person that I would want to kick off this journey with, you know, as, as someone that I've gotten fortunate to, uh, you know, work with and uh, create and create content with on prior shows before, you know, Derek is an absolute treat. And it's an absolute treat to have you. And uh, I'm I'm thrilled for the journey. And we're gonna get right down into this. So uh, I want to pick. I, we want to pick your brain on your uh, most recent mock draft that you put out. And uh, you know that thing is fluid. It's all it's ever changing. But you made some changes to it. You know the past couple of days. So we want to uh, we want to pick your brain and also you know kind of talk about some of our mock drafts. Both Jay and I dropped the mock draft this morning. Uh, it is my first go. I think Jay does about 50 of these every every two weeks because he is <laughs> self-obsessed with the NFL draft. So, uh, you know, we're going to get right into it. We're going to go down the list and uh, we're going to go. We're going to pick out some of the things that we thought were interesting and we will go right from there. So uh, let's get right into it. Well. Derek, let us ask you first, I guess. I mean, what, what were mm -hmm. some of the picks, some of your favorite fits? You know, when I do a mock draft, there's always some that I feel like I really love that. You know, I really hope this happens. Or there's kind of some where you're doing it and you're going pick by pick and you're really like that guy's on the board and you're just so happy to kind of make that match. What are some of your favorite fits? Um, So I love and there's, there's a lot of, I guess, stylistically, some guys that you can fit with this team. But honestly... I love the fit with uh, Garrett Wilson with the Jets. Um, as a player that I think that a lot of different ways in how he wins, he is a really, really good wide receiver after the catch. Um, explosive in short area, he can move in a phone booth. like, And putting that, marrying that with an offensive scheme that I think wants to get players into space and allow them to create, you know, and I'm, I'm not parsing through, I guess, like bad San Francisco narratives here. But like with the Jets... 
they could really, really use him. And, and I know that Drake London's been mocked to, to the Jets a whole lot. I don't think it's a bad fit. I think that he fits perfectly with them as well. But mm. if we're going to go apples to apples, I actually like Garrett Wilson as a fit over Drake London there. And people could say, like, well, you got Elijah, Elijah Moore there. Like, aren't they kind of similar? And I'm like, no, they're really not. And I, honestly, and the other thing about it is, like, I think that if you put Wilson in this offense— you're going to be able to not only get the ball in his hands in a lot of different ways, uh, he is going to be able to not only create easy completions for Zach Wilson, but his ability after the catch is going to turn those into big plays. You know, so I, I really like him um, in the sense of the fit, both as his style and what it could do for this offense. Do you think there's a chance that the Jets can draft Garrett Wilson at four instead of 10? Do you, you think they swing or is, is there is there positional need, you know, particularly with like defensive back, like they've been mocked, you know, for the past couple months so great that, that they would go over and uh, just leave Garrett to 10 if they can? No, I, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think they take him at, at four um, and they shouldn't. Um, the Jets have a lot of pressing needs. I mean, maybe they can forego... I, I think that obviously the two low-hanging fruit um, here are their secondary. So are they going to go with a mod size gardener? Um, I think that'd be a fantastic pick. Or they need to go with an edge. Personally, mm -hmm. I think that they probably should go pass rush or corner. I don't think it's necessary that they need to sit here and draft Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's getting mocked to the Falcons a bunch. I don't know if we're really connecting the dots or if that's just more like, hey, the Falcons have nobody to catch the damn ball. So, okay, let's give him Garrett Wilson. Mm -hmm. um, because stylistically, I don't think Garrett Wilson's the best fit for that offense. Uh, we'll get into it, but that's not who in my mock. That's not who I put going to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, so if I'm the Jets, I wouldn't be taking Garrett Wilson at four. I think that they could probably trade back and get him. They could either get him at 10 or hell, they could trade back a spot or two if somebody wants to come up for somebody. Before before we go to the Falcons pick, I do want to ask you um, about number two because, you know, 102 is coming off as a <laughs> pick that so many different things can happen. You know, you have Malik Willis going there. I have Trayvon Walker going there. And Jay, who do you have going there? I have Thibodeau, which is kind of an interesting uh, trend backwards, I feel like. You know, it was Hutchinson, Thibodeau. It was Thibodeau, Hutchinson kind of going at the top two. And we've kind of gotten further away from that, almost to the point where people are like, oh, Thibodeau might fall out of the top 10. Thibodeau might keep fall." And I kind of feel like we're coming back. We're re reeling it in a little bit. And that, that's kind of how the draft always seems to go. You know, we go through the trends of the season ends. We go to testing. And then we get to this point where we're about three, four weeks out where we start to kind of come back to where we were a little bit. Where, does the testing really matter? Does the Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, saying he's going to do certain workouts and not, you know, does that stuff really matter? Or are we going to go back and watch Kayvon Thibodeau and realize why we had him, you know, going that high in the first place? So he's going two for me, but like, like Derek said about his mock, you know, it's fluid, especially this time of year. So, yep. So you think Derek with, with your Malik Willis pick that the, that the fun starts there. Right. Is is Malik Willis a threat to start immediately there? What happens to Jared Goff if if they go to at quarterback? So I don't have sources and I'm going to make that very, very clear. I, I am not a source guy. I don't have sources. I talk to a lot of beat writers <clears throat> and I talk to um, some people that actually have sources. Um, and somebody made a really, really good point to, to me about like because I was at the I was at the juncture of why take Malik this year? when they have two firsts next year and they go for the quarterback. 
And the, the, the person I was discussing this with I made the point back to me, and I was like, they were like, well, you know a lot of different teams, like the Eagles and a bunch of other teams have, have two firsts in next mm-hmm. year's draft as well. The quarterback market, and, and let's wrap our, our heads around this, guys. What is the narrative around all these quarterbacks of this quarterback class that we've heard the entirety of the year is that it's not great. Mm-hmm. So... If you're walking into next season and everybody's like, we know we're going to address the quarterback. Well, everybody else knows that you're going to address the quarterback too. The price to come up is going to be even more expensive. And they're already at two right now. And they have a player that they just saw up close. Mm -hmm. They coached him for a week at Senior Bowl. And regardless of what everybody says, Malik Willis looked really damn good at Senior Bowl, man. Mm -hmm. He looked great. Honestly, like going back and watching his film and comparing it to what I saw firsthand at Senior Bowl, and it's not just, and I, I, I really, really try to stress just because I went to Senior Bowl doesn't mean that I've like pushed all these other got a Senior Bowl guys up in my ranks and whatever because I saw them at Senior Bowl. It gave me a, a, a different appreciation of how they win their games and being able to see some of these things that now you you talked about, like we get into the throes of draft season. It's all narrative street, dude. And it's all smoke and it's all bullshit. And it's all like teams are putting things out there. Teams are feeding things to their beat writers and stuff to put out there in the space that they they might not even believe, you know, because it's all a cat and mouse game, you know? So I think there's a real chance that Malik goes to Detroit at two. Yeah. You know, this team is... Now, is their defense a still a work in progress? Yes. Are they going to have a lot of cap space? And I, the, the number escapes me coming into next season. Yes. If they can get Malik Willis at two, does that start the rookie contract counter? Like, does that now start the clock? Yes. But it's also to say that Malik Willis doesn't need to be starting in year one anyway. Mm-hmm. So whether you start the counter now or you start the counter next year, like... I mean, we're parsing and we're splitting hairs here. Like yeah. one year, one year. Usually by year two or year three, you know if this quarterback is going to be good or he's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Like at that point. So the fact that you get another year of the rookie deal, salary caps are going up, all these different things. I think Malik Willis is a real threat to go to Detroit at number two. I mean, they got the best chance that they're going to get to scout a quarterback up close personal got to coach him see how he learns and you're not going to get that type of exposure so if he wins you over then take him yeah i before we move off blake willis at two i wanted to say that too because i i've been kind of going through you know what you're saying these past couple weeks and months it's narratives and so many things coming out and i've been 50 50 you know it's like every other day i wake up and i'm like the Lions should take malik willis at two and then the other day i'm like it doesn't make sense for their roster and then i think about it and when you think back, you know, to past drafts and especially for certain teams like the Lions or like the Raiders in the past and some others, if you love that quarterback, for instance, and a lot of the narrative around not taking the league Willis at two is, well, the Lions will probably be around the top half of the draft next year, you know, maybe another top 10, not. top five. Exactly. And that's kind of the thing that you just had. You spent all this time with Malik Willis. He's a great prospect. He seems like to have all the intangibles out the roof. You know, he seems to just be like a great kid, great guy, all those things. So if you miss on that, you know, edge defender, are you going to, is your, you know, fan base and your team going to regret it for the next decade? Maybe, maybe not. You know, if you miss on that quarterback who you liked, who you maybe loved, who you spent the whole week with at the senior bowl, you have all this, you know, time and 
everything on him. And, you know, the only reason is because, oh, well, let's wait till next year. You know, next year might not happen that same way. And I think that missing on Malik Willis, if the Lions have that needed quarterback, they choose to go another direction. And Malik Willis does turn out to be what we, you know, what, what us Malik Willis fans hope he can be. That's going to be something they are going to regret for a long time. And so that's kind of why I flip-flop every day on it, because I'm just like, ah, that doesn't make sense, but you don't want to miss out on him. And so I like that pick. I mean, I think it, I think it's really good thought behind it, and I think it makes sense when you really break it down a couple different ways. Well, he, well let's let's zoom out a little bit for the Lions roster. Yeah. Tell, tell me if this sounds like a, like a terrible, like a dog shit team, or this sounds like a good team. You're going to go airdrop him into a team that has a solid to above average offensive line. Mm-hmm. He's going to be throwing to next year. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross St. Brown. They draft any other wide receivers on top of that. Hell, they re-signed DJ Chark. Does this sound like a re- And they have tons of picks this year. They can add mm-hmm. another wide receiver or two. Does this sound like a really bad offense that Malik Willis would be entering next year? Not this year, because I think he gets Trey Lanced, okay? But next year. Does this sound like a terrible offense or situation that Malik Willis is entering into outside of the defense? But the offensive environment, does this sound like a bad team to you guys? Not at all. I mean, for me, I love that Malik Willis can go in and he'll be – you know, I do agree that he sees the tree, the Trey Lance uh, treatment as well. I've, I'm hoping it won't be the whole year because, you know, we, we like to see our rookie quarterbacks. You know, we're, we're good. He goes to the Lions at, at, one, at 102. I think there's a reasonable case to take him 101 in your rookie drafts. So, oh, yeah. you know, obviously you want to see some, um, some feedback from that right away. So, but. In other, in other cases, I have to agree with you. It's a great spot for him, and the Lions are a lot better on paper than people give them credit for. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is an, this is an offense that is going to be, comp- again, competing in a very, you know, decimated N- NFC here. You know, this is not the AFC where it's a ton of competition. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the NFC where you have a pretty straight road to the playoffs. Just take out the 49ers and the Rams on your way, and you're pretty much good to go at that point. So... Well, and to, to the point about, like, maybe they won't be, um, in, like, picking really, really high next year. Of course. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point to make. And if you go back and look at how the Lions closed out the season, and I, I am not going to sit here and tell you that the, that the Detroit Lions are going to be a playoff team. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But if you look at how they finished the year, they finished the year of their last six games. They were 3-3. Three and three. The two games that they lost before that were both by less than four points. And they had a tie right before that. So you're looking at the back half of the season, they were really close to playing 500 ball. Like, and that was with their entire secondary got hurt. Their defense was still bad. And, I mean, you had DeAndre Swift hurt. TJ Hawkinson was out. And they're still winning ball games. Mm. So, yes, I think there's a lot of credence that maybe they aren't at the top of the board. And as much as we like to crap on the Lions or the Texans or whoever... They might not be that cl- that far away from being a 500 team this upcoming year. Yeah, mm. I think there's a reasonable case to make that the Lions could be, with with a little bit of luck to swing their way, the second best team in the NFC North this year, with with Malik Willis as their quarterback. So you know, I think I think you can set you can make enough cases about the Vikings and the the Bears are just you know 
total dumpster fire currently. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I, I really, yeah, I think it, uh, you know, really falls on. It's, it's almost a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation in, in a sense. I mean, I think there are going to be a lot of people that, you know, like Derek alluded to before, uh, you know, Malik Willis, this whole quarterback class, people are saying, you know, isn't, isn't that great? You know, what, should the, should some of these guys, I mean, you have three in your first round, which we'll get to um, last year, there were what five in the first 15 picks, you know, it doesn't compare to last year. And so there is going to be a lot of, you know, back and forth people comparing, but like I said, you know, five, 10 years down the road, if Malik Willis is a stud and the lions are sitting there like, Oh, we were putting off quarterback till next year, you know? Doesn't sound as nice when Malik Willis is uh, performing at the uh, you know ceiling that we hope he can get to. Uh, the next guy you have, the next quarterback at least, you have two in the top ten. You have Kenny Pickett going six to the Panthers, and you know we said we would talk about some quarterbacks today, so we'll go next to him. Uh, it's a you know pretty common pick. A lot of like you know I have Malik Willis uh, dropping down to six to the Panthers in terms of you know Detroit passing on him because the Panthers are. <laughs> Uh, for, you know, uh, lack of better words. I mean, they're locked into taking a quarterback. They really don't have too many other choices. Uh, so talk us through the Kenny Pickett choice at six and and how you got there. I mean, you know, everybody knows all the narratives out there about Kenny Pickett and then the connections to Matt Rule. I think that the the better analysis here is that, uh, Bo, I see you. I see you, Bo. <laughs> I think that the better analysis here is that when you come down to Kenny Pickett with Carolina – they need to whoever he picked to be starting this year because honestly, Matt Rule was on his last leg. He's dead man mm -hmm. walking. He mm -hmm. loses this year and he's gone. And he could win this year, and if they don't win the playoffs, he could still be gone. But he's going to get a guy that he thinks that I think they're going to draft a guy, and you connect connect all the dots you would want with Kenny Pickett and Matt Rule. But they need a guy that could start this year. So I can't mock Malik Willis to Carolina Panthers because I don't see him starting. It would not be good for him to start this year. He needs to sit at least for a little bit of time. And I don't think that's something you're going to have to worry about with Kenny Pickett. Now, is, mm. is Kenny Pickett a world beater? No. I think that there's a lot of actually intangibles that he shares with Sam Darnold, and that's not a good thing. And so, like, but for this team and the fact that they need a guy that could start this season because... I mean, come on. They, they don't want to run back with uh, Cam. They don't want to run back with the P.J. Walker show. They don't want to go back to Sam Darnold, regardless of Sam Darnold believes that he's a good NFL quarterback, which, okay. Um, I think it's going to be Kenny Pickett. Mm. I see Andy Dalton when I when I see Kenny Pickett. Is is that something you can kind of get behind a little there? Um, My comp for him was he has the mobility of Alex Smith and the arm of Sam Darnold. Um, I mean, I can get behind the Andy Dalton in the sense that I believe that Kenny Pickett is a some of the parts player. I don't think that he is a guy that I think he's a guy that maybe you can win with, but I don't think that he's a guy you're going to win because of. Um, there are so many different things and, and good Lord, help me. I put a tweet out about this because it was the worst thing I've ever heard of is that people were like, oh, like lazy box score analysis and saying like, oh, Kenny Pickett blew up in his last year. He's got to be like Jared Burrow. And hmm. I'm like, that is the shittiest comp <laughs> ever. Terrible. There cannot be a bigger difference in these two quarterbacks. Joe Burrow's ability to ma manipulate the pocket by time and his coolness under pressure is awesome. Amazing. Like when I watched Burrow's tape, when he came out, I comped into freaking Tony Romo. 
Like, that's who I saw. Somebody that can run around in the pocket, make plays, and he never looks like anything ever freaking phases him. Kenny Pickett? That's the exact opposite, man. He looks like he's either going to shit his pants in one second, or it, basically he walks into every play and has a plan. He's got a first read, second read, or something like that. And there are times where you watch enough Pickett that he'll bail from clean pockets. He doesn't step up versus pressure. He 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 drifts in the pocket or he moves backwards in the pocket and he throws off his back foot and he loses all of his damn accuracy. So comparing him to Joe Burrow is is god awful. It's above god awful. They they're, they're, they're not even close to being the same guy at all. Yeah, I feel that. Um Jay, anything to add before we move on to the next guy? Uh, not on picket. I mean, I think that was good. I think I, I actually really like the Alex Smith, you know, mobility type thing. Cause I think that's, I like there. That too. I'm not, I'm going to try my hardest to stay away from sneaky athletic. Cause I hate that, but it is with Alex Smith. I feel like that's just kind of something that goes under the radar, especially like, I don't know, kind of since he got hurt, kind of like how he aged in his career, but he was mobile, you know, and he's oh, yeah. like, significantly. Um, and you know, who do we have next? This is another one, you know, that actually, Sam, I think you have this as well. I have it. I have it too. Desmond Ritter, the Steelers at 20, another team where, you know, we're looking at it and they've been rumored, you know, Malik Willis since, uh, the season ended, you know, it's been on oh, Malik Willis, Mike Tomlin standing right next to Malik Willis, <laughs> watching him do everything. <laughs> and, you know, all the rumors coming out about that. Um, I like Man. the Desmond Ritter pick there. I mean, I think Desmond Ritter is a, a good fit there. Uh, I was happy to kind of make that one because I don't think Malik Willis is going to get there. Uh, no. I just don't think in any capacity. I mean, we can talk no. about two to six to wherever. I don't think he's making it to 20. And I don't no. really see Pittsburgh making a big move to trade up to get him. So no. uh, they're sitting there at 20. You have him getting Desmond Ritter. So do Sam and I. So we're all kind of on the same wavelength here. What was your thought process behind that? Aside from they're on the clock and they need a quarterback. And <laughs> Pittsburgh <laughs> they don't is... want to rely on Mitch Trubisky. Pittsburgh is a really hard team to to mock right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't see them addressing the offensive line. Um, they've made some moves and signed some corners, and I, I had been mocking them a corner in the first round. Um, they they don't need an edge. They don't need anything like that. Um, I mean, really, they're in a lot of different spots. They're set, you know. So they're a tough team, a they really tough team. Free agency too. I. I mean, I, yeah. I, mean, I they, I, they scooped up Miles Jack like that, man. Yep. It was yeah, yep. so fast. So, I mean, they don't, they're a team without a lot of holes outside of quarterback. And the thing about Desmond Ritter is I'm not a huge Desmond Ritter person. I, I, I'm not a, a big Desmond Ritter guy. I think that he has got some accuracy issues. I think that um, his pocket awareness and his accuracy, his ball placement is suspect. What I do think about Desmond Ritter is that he has really put himself in a good position. He has done nothing but help his stock. Mm -hmm. And from a guy that when I watched him at Senior Bowl, and I, I know people that came away from Senior Bowl practices, and they were like, oh, look at Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter is amazing. And I was like, Desmond Ritter played like crap. Like, I thought Desmond Ritter looked terrible at Senior Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, we, we were there for the first day of practices, and he was erratic as shit. The, the second day of practice, third day of practice, he's basically pulling the... And, and so, as they're doing the install of the offense and stuff, guys are running through plays and stuff like that, the defense is not tackling you, okay? So, it's snap the ball, go through your progressions, throw it, get rid of it. I can't tell you how many plays I watched a Desmond Ritter in the install where he is either off, off the mark with his pass or he takes off running. And it's like, well... You know they can't tackle you. You just didn't go through your progressions. Maybe the guys didn't get open, so that's part of the equation. But the other one is like, what, what, what the hell are you doing, man? Yeah. 
Like, seriously. And so I've got... I'm not nearly as high as consensus on Desmond Ritter. I think that Desmond Ritter has helped himself, and kudos to him in the entire process. Is hey, that? Agreeing with you. Hey, hey, I love it though. <laughs> Good, because you're probably gonna like hate me in later parts of the show. Um, <laughs> but with Desmond Ritter, I think that he is he that he flipped the narrative. So like the bad senior bowl practices he's had, you haven't heard anybody talk about that. None of that. None of that has been out there in the space, and. He has a really, really good agent, and I don't even know who his agent is, but I can tell you he's good because we haven't heard a peep out of any of that. Whoever he is, he's it's, doing a good job. It's all been positive, <laughs> like, like legit. It's all been nothing but love and positivity around Desmond Ritter. It's like, oh, well, he grew and he got better in college. It's like, well, okay, yeah, he did, but he was god-awful his first year as a starter, and he had nowhere to go but up. Like, if you look at his adjusted completion rates, they were terrible, terrible. And he did. It's not like when he got better, he got like Kenny Pickett good, and he was top ten, top fifteen in multiple different completion rates. That's not the case. He peaked out in the thirties. Like that's that's still not great, and it shows up on his film. And he's a guy that I think like he's late to feel the pressure. And looking at Pittsburgh, I think that not only could they talk themselves into it because I think they want an athletic quarterback because they mm -hmm. they love Malik, and I'm not drawing parallels just from that. But Ritter has done a lot of great things. Like, he killed the combine. He ran fast. I don't really think that he's that much of a rushing quarterback. Like, if you look at him, he's not going to break tackles. He's not a crazy, crazy, elusive guy in the open field. I feel like it was good for him to run that time at the combine. But I don't, I, I have no recollect, like, I have no belief that he is going to be this, this rushing quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I think that he has done a lot of really good stuff to help his stock in the draft. I could see Pittsburgh going with him because, yes, they need a quarterback. Two, they could talk themselves into, okay, can we go back into the early Ben Roethlisberger days? We could run the ball. We could play good defense. We could be a playoff team. I mean, shit, they were almost a playoff team with the, the skeleton of Ben Roethlisberger under center. The team is set around him. And Matt Canada wants to sit here and get motion and get mobility in this offense. So can they craft an offense that not only fits the strengths of Mitch Trubisky, which if you want to talk about there are any strengths there to be had, but anyway, that it can fit not only Trubisky, but if they go to Ritter sometime in the middle of the season, you're looking at can they can they scheme up an offensive design that kind of loosely fits both of these players and what mm. they do well and their skill sets. So I think that, you know, a lot of parts are pieces there and I, and I kind of went off on a Ritter tangent, but I think that it makes a lot of sense on multiple levels. Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's kind of talking about his rushing ability and what you were just saying is I feel like everybody, you know, almost talking about kind of the lazy comp too with the Joe Burrow and, and Kenny Pickett thing. It's, it's the, you know, he ran the same 40 as Marcus Mariota. He ran a little faster than Marcus Mariota. It, correct me if I'm wrong. It was a long time ago, but I mean, Marcus Mariota was a, a runner in college. I mean, he moved. He was not a he, runner in the NFL. No, he was not. No. But Marcus Mariota was a smooth runner in college. I mean, that was, yep. it was just a little different. And like, I just, I see they ran the same 40. I mean, everyone ran a fast 40 this year. I mean, kind of comparing them a little, little bit different, but uh, he, he kind of, I feel like people are kind of giving him that ability without really uh, looking deeper into it. Like you kind of said, I mean, it's like he ran a fast 40, he's going to be this mobile guy. And like, I don't really know if that's necessarily true at the next level. So no. I think that's a good point. I um, think people look at counting stats too. It's like, I hear people talk about Sam Howell being a Russian quarterback in the NFL. It's like, no, I don't yeah. see that. 
Yeah, he's Sam not going to get those Sam, sort of designed runs in the NFL. Sam Howell yeah. is not going to be a rushing quarterback in the <laughs> NFL. Sam yeah. Sam Howell ran a shit ton in his final year uh, in college because they didn't have anybody yeah. else on offense. Yeah. Like yeah. they were like, "How are we going to move the ball?" Okay, we're going to get Sam Howell to run. Okay, cool. You can, you can. I feel like you can find a lot of extenuating circumstances in college that just don't translate to the NFL. Like I saw Desmond Ritter's rushing numbers tick down. <laughs> over over year to year and he was he also ran for 12 touchdowns last year like uh in 2020 sorry and that that inflates a lot of things like when you're rushing for like a, over six yards of carry and you know 12 touchdowns that inflates it a lot you know to the point that you know everyone's kind of gonna know that you're a running quarterback when you get to the next season so that when he got the last season he ran for three yards of carry. <laughs> so I, know, I, I, I got a good one for you, Sam, because you okay. bring this up, and I'm I'm gonna kick us back to last year in draft cycle. I'm old enough to remember when people discussed Zach Wilson as a possible rushing quarterback because he Ooh, ran for a lot too. of touchdowns, and I was like, no, that's <laughs> and he had that's he had so that, bad. He had that one run this year that oh, got yeah, everyone fired up. Run. Again. The fifty-yard <laughs> run. Darnold He's a running also- quarterback. Hey, Sam Darnold also had one of those. So, so did Daniel Jones, and then the turf <laughs> yeah. monster got him. <laughs> that, yeah. That's one of my fondest memories, hey. only because it happened against the Eagles that game. Like family guy, man. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets I one. remember last year, and I remember I went on one show, and they were like, do you think Zach Wilson's going to be a rushing quarterback? I was like, calling Zach Wilson a rushing quarterback is like calling Baker Mayfield a rushing quarterback. <laughs> I, I mean, it, 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 no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you get, so. you, get, you get a lot of open lanes in college. Like, they're, they're so lenient with that, like – they don't diagnose the run for the quarterbacks like they do in the NFL. They have a spy. They don't use a spy. Or you see Kenny Pickett do the dead leg, like pretend like he's going to slide and then keep on running. Oh, that was great. <laughs> that was, just don't, I mean, that boosted just don't him speak. up a whole nother, you know, oh, absolutely. level too. Everybody, everybody I mean, saw kudos that to him. That was sick, yeah. man. Yeah, like, That was a great play. Highly illegal. It really but a great was. Play. And Derek, you said we were running the show, but man, you really gave us a great segue, you know, into Sam Howell, into Matt Corral, maybe even, you know, Bo's in the comments here. So I know Bo's a Carson Strong guy, if I can uh, remember correctly. So, I mean, we've got three other quarterbacks that are really in this conversation of the top five, top six guys. You had three go in your first round. Uh, give us a little bit of a preview, you know, on Matt Corral and uh, Sam Howell. Maybe some things you like, you don't like. Maybe why they didn't, you know, crack this first round, aside from maybe just not the team's fitting. But, you know, you're kind of thinking through the process of trying to get guys in that first round sometimes if you think they're that caliber. What kind of held them back from getting into this for you? I mean, so the, with, the, with this quarterback class, I feel like um, – there's only two guys that I really think are going to be in the first round definitively. I think it's going to be Malik and Kenny Pickett. And then I think it's basically a dice roll for all the other guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really comes down to any teams talking themselves into it. Like I keep seeing Matt Corral mock to the lions in the first round. And I'm like, no, why, why the hell? No, like, Mac, and this is not a slight against Matt Corral or Sam Howell and all these guys. Mm. They each have holes in their game. Like, when I watched Sam Howell, I was not that impressed. I felt like he was more erratic. I felt like his pocket presence wasn't great. Went to the Senior Bowl, and, dude, he had a terrible Senior Bowl. He, it, 
if you listen and I and I I stay to I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I do listen to some in this time of the year because I don't have sources. So yeah. I like to listen to shows where guys actually do have sources and they're plugged into GMs. And so listening to some of these shows, there was one in particular and they were talking about senior bowl and going back and and diving through what, what, what happened there. And they were like, we talked to one scout and one scout said, one of these quarterbacks just absolutely tanked himself. It was by his interviews. It was by his demeanor. It was about everything throughout the entire week. And if you were at senior bowl, you knew exactly who the hell they were talking about, even though they didn't mention his name. And it was Sam mm-hmm. Howell. Like, he he wasn't commanding. He was all over the place. He was erratic during practices. And you see some of that stuff crop up in his film. Now, I haven't gone back. I, I watched him before Senior Bowl, dove into his numbers. I need to go back, and I'm, I'm parsing through doing my prospect write-ups. So I got to go back and watch him again. But between him, Matt Corral was a hard projection. Um, I think that anybody with Matt, like drafting Matt Corral, it's a lot of projection of what he could be because a lot of RPOs, a lot of play action at Ole Miss and can that work in the NFL and how are you going to transition to an offense where you have three step, five step drops, you're going through progressions instead of having one read or you're going to maybe your second read. So a lot of that is Matt Corral is it's a projection. Can he be a serviceable quarterback? Like, could I see Matt Corral turning into like a point guard kind of quarterback? Like basically his job is to distribute the ball. And he he has a good enough deep ball. He has good enough accuracy. They're not wow. Like they're none of his attributes are going to be, ooh, holy shit, look at this. Like, but I think he could be an average NFL starter. But you look at all these quarterbacks and they're all kind of in the same kind of bucket. They all have their warts. They all have things that they do well, that don't do well, which is every class. But I don't look at any of these guys outside of Malik Willis as being a franchise-changing type of quarterback. All of these quarterbacks outside of Malik are quarterbacks that in two to three years, franchises are going to say, oh, shit, what do we do? What did we do? And they're going to say, crap, I guess we're going back to the to the quarterback bucket. You know, and could they be serviceable starters? Could they hang around longer than that? Could they carve out longer NFL careers? Yeah, all those things could happen. They could be average starters. But parsing through this class, man, it's like, I don't see any... My biggest thing is like, are you going to elevate the talent around you? Did you show that in college? Do you have that ability or can we forecast that to the NFL? Or are you just a guy that a team can win with but not because of? Outside of Malik and him having that type of upside, I just don't see it with these other quarterbacks. Yeah, and see Sam, you know, Sam and I are both Eagles fans, uh, coincidentally. And Derek, you know, talking about your, uh, you know, Sam Howell's interviews at the Senior Bowl, you know, maybe you shouldn't have been making fun of Nick Sirianni having him take jump shots, man. (laughs) He He came out there cracking jokes about the jump shots. Maybe you should have taken the jump shots. I think think he said he only hit two out of five. I mean, that definitely definitely (laughs) means we're not going to draft him. I don't don't want my prospects not being able to make five free free throws. Sirianni's got a process. Um, All right, Derek. And so, (laughs) <laughs> is that, is that firmly do, then you are those guys all in your top five then you have Carson Strong a little bit behind them yeah I mean right now if, if I'm going to rank these guys it's Malik and then a tear break and really it's probably my QB two at least as where we're sitting right now is I'm in between Kenny Pickett and 
probably Sam Howell. Um, Carson Strong is a really interesting uh, prospect, a really interesting guy. Uh, walking into Senior Bowl, I was higher on him entering that process than I was coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we've seen, like, there's clips of him in his pro day. He's throwing deep and stuff like that. When he was at Senior Bowl, his deep ball fluttered in the air, and you saw him throw it 30, 40 yards, and it looked like a damn rainbow. So, mm-hmm. like, all these narratives of strong arm, you know, Carson, I, I didn't see it at Senior Bowl, man, and I was really surprised by that. Now, could he gun the ball in the short and intermediate areas? Like, you know, you get him inside of 20 yards? Yeah, he could do that. But if you ask him to really air it out, the type of arm strength that I was expecting to see, and I don't, you know, we only get part of part of the equation. Like, I don't know if he was dealing with an injury at Senior Bowl, but what I saw in film versus what I saw up close was very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, 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 you know, what I can go off of based off of mm-hmm. what I've seen. You know, and so for as a quarterback, that's not going to make his hay with mobility. We know that. We know that he's going to have to make it regarding his intangibles, what he's able to do as far as a processor. And he did a lot of good things as far as that. Like you see him go through his reads. You see him process quickly. You see him. He was making different checks at the line and stuff like that. You see all those different things. And that's good. But mm-hmm. if the arm talent is not there and the mobility is meh. I mean, I think he can move around in the pocket. I, I don't think that he's just a stone statue. But if he's got to rely on the arm, I was less than impressed about the actual arm talent that I saw at Senior Bowl um, to believe that he is going to be able to do that at the NFL at a consistent basis or to be at a level where he's good enough for us to want to play him in fantasy and stuff too. Absolutely. I have one more question before we dive into uh, the fantasy side of our, uh, you know, tiers and analysis here. I want to I want to ask your opinion on Bailey Zappi because I've I've had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching this guy play at Western Kentucky. I mean, obviously, that air raid offense is, is obviously so fun to watch. And you, you got you got guys like, uh, you know, everyone he had as his receivers there. And, you know, the kid, kid can throw a deep ball. So what is it, what does it stick out to what sticks out to you from what you saw at senior bowl and uh, you know, in your analysis so far from him. Um, so Bailey Zappi, and it's really, really funny because we were at senior bowl and I was, I was sitting here talking to Thor Nystrom over at NBC mm-hmm. and we were both sitting here going back and forth uh, about the players and talking about it. We were taken away from the practice and stuff like that. And he's like, Bailey Zappi reminds me of freaking Chase Daniels. And I was like, damn it! That's exactly who I just saw! Like, get out of my head! It's exactly who I saw. Like, I think Bailey Zappi does a lot of different things well. Mm -hmm. I think that he can command an offense. Is Bailey Zappi somebody that should be a starter in the NFL? No. I think he's going to carve out a really long career as a backup Mm -hmm. and a guy that could be a spot starter as a guy that... He, he just doesn't have the intangibles. You mm-hmm. see him where he's able to make swift decisions. He's able to get the ball out. And, and in terms of like, like I was talking about earlier, can he be a point guard quarterback? Yes. Mm-hmm. But there is a massive difference in the arm talent between even Zappy and the other guys that were there. Like you could, Bailey Zappi, like they could all have been the same size wearing the same uniforms all of these different things. And when Bailey Zappi got under center and he goes to throw the ball, you could honestly tell who was doing it. 
you could tell him versus Sam Howell versus all these other guys that are in this class. So I think Bailey Zappi is going to be have a long NFL career as a backup, but as a guy that needs to be a starter, has the intangibles to elevate an offense, has the really the ability to not to to be anything more than a replacement level starter. I, I just don't see it. See, I lo- I I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, look, the problem with this class is that you know there's not like groupings like we had last year with five guys who we all knew they were going to be starters and all that Mm -hmm. like you said there's malik willis and then there's a huge tier break you know for the next you know three or four guys and then you have zappy who kind of like sticks out as somewhat you know he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb he doesn't really have a, a place in that second tier and you're not really sure where to put him. I think he go. I want to. I want to say that he goes like somewhere on day three, and some team gets a really nice backup option looking at him because he really does seem like he can throw the ball. Sam, I feel like you won a lot of bets with Bailey Zappi, maybe hitting you some overs, maybe like over. I can see from t- the way Derek's looking. Maybe, at me maybe Sam had like a future on like over sixty touchdowns on Bailey Zappi and really cashed in. Uh, <laughs> so tell us the truth, man. We're all friends. <laughs> so the the reason I, I I cracked a smile when Sam was talking about it is that I've been I think taking quarterbacks outside of the top two rounds is mm-hmm. burning a pick for NFL franchises. I feel like it's the worst god awful pick that you can make in an NFL draft. Like the chances of any quarterback panning out. And yeah, we got the Russell Wilsons, and yeah, we got the Dak Prescotts and stuff like that. Who else are you pointing to? Who, who, who? What, Tom Brady? Like, you look over the NFL landscape. What quarterbacks are starting or are starting and are good starters and were drafted outside of the first round? You could probably name them on one hand. And then you go, you want to go even further into this. How many quarterbacks were, okay, that, I mean, Mm -hmm. again, one hand. One mm-hmm. hand, you can count the guys. And Kirk Cousins gets a lot, a lot of shit. Like, there's a lot of people that don't think Kirk Cousins is very good. I think he's better than people believe, but conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. My whole point here is that those picks outside of round one, round two for quarterbacks, it's burning a pick for an NFL franchise. Like, go select anybody. Go go pick a guy that's a traits guy. Go pick a yep. small school guy. Go, go anybody, anywhere else. You could sign... How many different backup level starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL that if your starter goes down, your season is probably shit canned anyway, but even if it's not, can a guy start two, three games for you and be serviceable? There's a ton of guys in the NFL that you could sign for nothing to do that. Why are you going to draft? It's like, what, what? So we, 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 we get him in the house and we, we. We build him up, and he he learns the playbooks, and we can kind of coach him up. It's like these guys go in the third and fourth round for a freaking reason, nine times out of ten. It's because they don't have the intangibles or the skills to be anything more than a backup. So why? The Jets pulled Josh, Jets pulled Josh Johnson off uh, off waivers last year to do just that. I mean, yeah, I'm, the amount of the amount of guys that you see in the NFL like spot starting that like haven't started a game in like three four years is absolutely insane so i definitely am with you on that you know it's it's a shame to think about these guys you know going somewhere basically to have their careers die 
and only hope is for them to be a backup. So especially like in the draft process, you know, we're focusing on these guys to be, you know, good draft, good draft prospects. We don't expect them to just go, you know, to, to sit as a backup and, and hold the clipboard for four years. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a shame to think about that. But, um, you know, let's let's dive into the fantasy side of this. So, you know, we we went over all of our all of our mock drafts and, and you know, outside the first round, not much to see here for these quarterbacks. But, uh, you know, we definitely will have some fantasy opinions on them, you know, and at least for a few of these guys, we'll be able to project some nice fit landing spots for them. So uh, let's go person by person. Derek, what's your what's your best possible landing spot in a vacuum for Malik Willis. I think it's probably Detroit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at all the other teams that could take him. I mean, maybe the giants, if they go off the path, but I doubt they get a quarterback this year, Atlanta. I don't want him to go to Atlanta because they, they, they have too many holes in that roster. Um, it, it would be, a, it'd just be a bad situation. Like even if you're looking at getting Malik Willis, like that team's not going to be that much better next year. Mm-hmm. You know, so putting all of these quarterbacks and, and a lot of these guys, they get drafted by terrible teams. We know that. Mm-hmm. But how many quarterbacks have we seen get drafted by terrible teams and that just tanks their careers? Like, they're never the same because they got beat up to hell and back in the first two years mm-hmm. of the league. You know, then they get gun shy. They're never the same guy that we saw in college and stuff like that because the NFL chewed him up and spit him out because of a terrible franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I think the best team to be able to put Malik Willis in a spot where he can learn for a year and then step into a good and still improving situation in year two. I mean, out of these top 10 teams, top 11 teams, what's a better situation than the Lions? I don't see yep. one. Yep. Where does he land in your dynasty rankings if he goes there? Um, For this rookie class or overall? No, no, for overall. Who? Um... You can give a projection if you don't have it, you know, all Oh, uh, yeah, I have I haven't put um I haven't put uh I saw you update your dynasty rankings, so I was just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um let me pull him up real fast and I can kind of slot him in somewhere here. Um cuz I ha- I haven't added. I usually go through and I break all these guys down as uh as prospects mm-hmm. before I go adding them to my dynasty rankings cuz I want to know that like I have a good handle on not only their games but projecting them to the next level um so looking at quarterbacks i would say i'd probably put him somewhere in the same tier he's probably tier four tier five which is like ranking him anywhere from like nine to 14 mm-hmm. in dynasty mm-hmm. um like right now my tier four is justin fields and trey lance i think i could right. easily project probably putting Malik at the bottom end of that tier. So that would put him as QB 11 in Dynasty right now, which might sound spicy for people, but like, really, is it that spicy? Because you're looking at like that second, that bottom end of QB one is I have Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and I got Jalen Hurts at 14. Like, Mm. I mean, all of these guys, you know what you're getting, but do they really have a lot of upside to be a top five, top three quarterback and to really break into that type of elite uh, part of dynasty. No, you know, so, I mean, maybe I'm ranking him aggressively, but the upside is massive and I would rather be over consensus and chase the upside because if he hits, it's going to be beautiful to be under. 
Mm-hmm. And realistically, I mean, putting him in the same tier as Trey Lance, it's like, I mean, I think a lot of the things that we're worried about potentially with Trey Lance, we're worried about with Malik Willis, you know, it's, yep. it's the small school, it's the accuracy, it's all these different sort of things where it's, you know, the athleticism, not a question for either of them. So uh, they kind of would fit in that same sort of tier. So I think that's a good spot. Yeah, I like I like that, too. And uh, I think I think Malik, even if he sits for a year, he should have a lot of intrigue to people as the one one in rookie drafts if he goes to the Lions, because it really does feel like the best start. This is a year where, you know, not a lot of not a lot of great QB landing spots. And, you know, just like just like there's not a, lot, a ton of great running back landing spots in this class. I think the QB landscape is similarly barren and especially with how this class has looked, you know, um, on paper so far, you know, we're all, we're really only talking about a couple guys here who, who can achieve fantasy relevance really quickly. And uh, I, I hope Kenny Pickett can make it into that tier, but you know, for the purposes of projecting, are the Panthers re- are the Panthers really the best spot for him? They're probably the best spot for him to start right away, right? Um, the best spot for him to start right away. I think the Panthers are a really good spot for anybody, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Like their wide receivers core is is you know you could say they're they're average to good. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, what's going to depend on how that looks this year is Terrace Marshall actually being healthy and playing this year. And if he could play well, then maybe they're a little bit above average. But I think Robbie Anderson is dust. Um, their offensive line is not good, you know? Right. So, I mean, putting Pickett, who I just, I talked about earlier in the show that I've got big concerns about Pickett under pressure mm-hmm. or when Pickett gets the first sniff of pressure. So we think that putting him in a place like Carolina that has not a great offensive line. Yeah. They got pretty decent skill players, but their offensive line is terrible. It's not a good spot for Kenny Pickett. I'd be Wait. interested to see. Sorry, I'd be interested to see what happens if the Falcons kind of surprise us and go quarterback there. I don't think they do go quarterback do. there, but I think it would be interesting to see Kenny Pickett go there as well, as far as far as just a fit in the vacuum. I don't think so either. I, I, I view Atlanta and Seattle as both teams that need the quarterback, but when it comes down to it, I mean, really, is it that, is, especially Seattle, I mean, is it going to be that hard for Seattle to maybe jump back into the the back end of the first or pick one in the early second with all the assets that they got from that trade? Same with Atlanta, where it's like, I feel like Mariota, that sort of signing and the way that they've kind of talked about everything, it's, they they still need a quarterback. Mariota's not the future, but it's no. like, can we wait till the second round and maybe take one of these guys that falls and take a chance on him? Maybe. Or do we have so many holes on our roster, like Derek already alluded to, where it's like, Bingo. let's get Mariota, have him in, do this for a little bit. I don't think Arthur Smith's job is definitely as uh, in jeopardy as Matt Rules is, where I think they kind of understand the situation he's been put in. So, yeah. Yeah, Atlanta's a shit show, man. Like yeah, exactly. Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot knew what they were getting into. They yeah, they right. inherited a lot exactly. of bad contracts, uh, a poorly poorly constructed team. This yeah. is not going to be a one year rebuild. I don't think they take a quarterback, and they sure as hell shouldn't take a quarterback at all in this draft. Well, that's like the their their Carol- roster needs way too many. And once you draft the quarterback, yeah. like we talked about, you start the clock on yeah. that rookie contract. Yeah. And Atlanta, they're a team that I look at. I was like, they're probably like two three years away. You know, yeah. so do you take the quarterback next year if you like slam and slam dunk this draft mm-hmm. and say like you have like uh, yesteryear's like Saints draft and you just like ball out and hit like on four out of your five picks and they're all starters and they're good. You know, maybe that accelerates it a, a tad. 
Mm-hmm. But I could see them as a team that like says like I think they signed Mariota to what it was uh, a two year a two millionaire two year deal. But really the yeah. contract states it's more like a one year deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they could keep him for two years. I think they could ride that out with Mariota for two years yeah. and say let's just draft our guy after two years of building up the team around it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did. I did a uh, a pro, uh, a profile like an analysis on the Mariota signing a few weeks ago, and uh, my first thought when I when I did my research for that was well the falcons just came off of almost making the playoffs like there's a chance that they could kind of kick this can down the road a little bit with mariota and try and just coax the most out of this horrific offense shell that they have there and just kind of make it work to the best they can in this nfc that is clearly decimated of talent so yeah i agree with you it would be a mistake for them to take quarterback but it, it is nice to think about but um, let's move on to the next guy in your ranking, Sam Howell. Where would be the best fit for him <laughs> fantasy-wise? <sighs> Sam Howell. Oh, Sam Howell. Um, looking to the different teams. Um, let me get back to my mock draft here. Um, a good team for Sam Howell. I don't think he goes in the first round. I think that a good spot for Sam Howell, I think he would make some sense to the commanders. Um, let him sit for a year. I don't think that Wentz is their long-term for anything. Um, I don't think that he probably goes there because if you're trading for Wentz, you're probably saying, okay, we're not going to go for another quarterback. But he does. I think it'd be a good fit. Um the other places for Sam Howell, I could see Sam Howell in Tennessee um, mm-hmm. if they wanted to take a shot. That's interesting. Um, I'd have to go look at uh, Ryan Tannehill's contract language and stuff like that, but I could see him fitting the system that they, they run there. Um, I could see that making some sense. Now, is that a spot where, you know, they possibly go? I mean, only time will tell, but Tennessee year after year is a hard team to kind of pigeonhole what the hell they're going to do in every draft. Like, I feel like every year we get to these mocks and we're like, oh yeah, the Titans are going to do this and they don't. And you're like, well, huh. Um, looking at, oh yeah, looking at, um, Ryan Tannehill's contract, basically his dead money falls off after 2023. Um, so this year they would be upside down as far as dead cap, but as soon as 2023, um, they could save 18 mil against the cap by cutting him. And after 2024, it's all gone. So mm-hmm. it's not like his contract is precluding anything, regardless of like the real contract language and not saying, Oh, it's a four year $118 million deal. So I can I see could that making some sense. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could see them uh, being, being uh, fed up with him after last year. He did not look that well. And um, we could definitely go a different direction. Jay. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's an interesting fit, and I think we've done you know we've done a bunch of the quarterback talk. We promised a little tight end, although it's not too relevant. So I'll just keep it you know short because I have a debate that I want you two to kind of hash out after this briefly. But aside from Trey McBride, Derek, is there anybody else you know in this tight end class that that stands out to you that you're interested in? I mean, typically talking about fantasy, I mean, we'll see where these guys end up. But is there really anybody else aside from him? Because this isn't last year, you know. We're not talking about a Kyle Pitts situation. We're talking about another tight end group where, eh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the guy, um, there, there's two guys. Um, I yeah. think that uh, looking at and, and 
I'd like to chase uh, athletes um, at the tight end position. You look at fantasy and basically the guys that are going to give you that type of ceiling, the guys that are going to sit here and produce for us in fantasy or at least have the high-end possibility of doing so, I mean, they're athletic marvels, you know? So um, I, if I got to pick two guys, uh, Jelani Woods is interesting to me just because he's a mountain of a man. Um, like you watch the film on Jelani Woods and I haven't gone through all of his numbers, but I watched a few of his games last night and you don't need, uh, to watch any film where it's like, here's the little pointer and it's like, oh, there's Jelani Woods. Um, <laughs> you turn on the film, you know where Jelani Woods is on every <laughs> single play. Cause he is a mountain of a man. Um, so I, I like him. I think that he's still a raw prospect. I think that he's got some upside. He tested through the damn roof. The guy that I keep talking about, and this is more of a hand-in-the-dirt film take, because the numbers are not good, okay? But, and honestly, he's a black box prospect because he didn't get to work out. Mm. I really like Jeremy Ruckert. I'm going to stay on that. I'm going to keep hitting on that. I really like Ruckert. Um, when I watched him before the Senior Bowl, I watched his film, I and I keep harping on this. But I watched his film, and I just walked away from it saying, why in the hell didn't they throw this guy the ball? Like, I, he, he's consistently, like, he's getting up the seam. He's making athletic catches. He's a guy that we didn't see test this year because of injury. But you're looking at a guy that, that does he check boxes. He's 6'5". He's 250. We've seen him on film. He can block. We've seen on film that he can stretch the seam. We've seen on, on film him making really athletic plays they just didn't get a lot of volume because Ohio State. And Ohio State, I mean, if we go back to it, like, who the hell was going to get volume when you have Jackson Smith and Jigba as your, like, that dude's going to be ridiculous. Um, and you got Chris Olave, and you got Garrett Wilson. <laughs> Where, where's, where's the remaining volume in a college offense for Jeremy Ruckert to catch a lot of passes? Yep. But I really, I, I, I like Ruckert a whole lot, and I know it's not really, really sticky, but if you go back and you look up his high school testing numbers... He had an 82nd percentile vertical leap. He ran a 4.76 in high school. High school. That's crazy. Do we really believe that he got slower in college? <laughs> so if he didn't get slower in college, then maybe what? He's running in the 4.6s? And if that's the case, then he's going to come out with really good athletic measurables. Or he's going to look good on paper. But a lot of this is projection because we didn't get to see him catch a lot of passes and we didn't get to see him test. So yes, I understand this could be absolutely wrong, but putting all of this together, I think Jeremy Ruckert is going to have a very, very good pro career and a far, far better career in the NFL than he had in college. And he could be a steal this year because of all these different things. Like the stars are aligning that he didn't catch all the passes in college and now he can't work out going up to the NFL draft. So there's probably some team out there that's salivating because we see these like, you know, the the hard knocks and we see all these clips and stuff of teams and they're saying like, uh, I think it was the Rams, what? And they're saying, don't run fast, don't run fast, don't run fast. Shit, yes! Woo! He ran slow! All right, now we get a deal on him because everybody's going to look at that. I mean, honestly, there's some team probably out there that's licking their chops saying Jeremy Ruckert could not test. Now he's going to fall farther than he should have because if he would have tested and he tested well, then what? He goes in the third round? Mm. So, he's a I'm guy I love. 
I'm a fan of Rucker. I liked him. I liked him last year. I was a little bit disappointed he didn't come out last year and he went back to school. And I'm not sure the reason why. I'm I'm not sure if you know the reason why he went back to school. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming he just didn't get good news about like his projections and where he would have been drafted last year. But look, I mean Ben Solak, who you know who Ben Solak is, right? Oh yeah, so, I love Ben. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Ben. Obviously, not just because the Eagles thing, but like because he's just <laughs> really good. Always knows his stuff. He's got Ruckert as his tight end one. So oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, I That's saw awesome that here. I saw that earlier today. So I mean, you know, I I started to look at Ruckert again a couple of weeks ago. He's he's made his way back into my top five. Um, I I honestly didn't even think about him. I'm glad you brought him up for this show. I wasn't even thinking about him before. But uh, I'm really excited to see what he does and where he goes. That'll be really key for me. But um, look, before we get out of here, we got a couple minutes. Yeah, that I mean, was y'all, the, y'all got me for as that, long as you need me, man. That was I'm the perfect nugget we were looking for with tight end. I mean, we knew yeah. it might not be too long of a conversation, but that was a great piece there. And, you know, we started this debate a little bit pre-show. I didn't know that we had this debate on hand, but now that I do <laughs> – we got to get it going a little bit because Sam actually sent me his mock draft. Uh, what was it last night? And you said, I've got Drake London pretty low, but I have him as my wide receiver five. I, you know, I, I had, <laughs> thought, I had thoughts about it, but I think Derek's got a little bit more, a little bit more oomph to his thoughts. So, on it. so I want to hear, let's, I want to hear going. the Drake London, the Drake London story that will move, that will move him back up my ranks. Cause I've been looking mm. for a reason to do it. Okay, I've been being fed the echo chamber. Before I give you a story about Drake London, I want to push this back to you, and I want to flip this back to you. (laughs) I'm gonna get comfortable. I'm gonna get comfortable here. (laughs) All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Tell me what your thoughts are on Drake London and why you don't like him. So I'm worried about. I'm worried about the separation, but I've heard that it's not as big of a deal as it seems. Mm-hmm. And uh, and honestly, the 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 whole stigma around Pac-12 wide receivers has me scared. Being an Eagles fan, I've seen us draft Pac-12 receiver after Pac-12 receiver. It doesn't work out, and I don't want Drake London to be another cautionary tale of when I got too hung up on Doriel Green Beckham six year, or five years ago, and it just blew up in my face. So Beckham played in Missouri, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. My my things about Drake London <laughs> is we saw Drake London in his final season play in an absolutely different role than he played the rest of college. Mm-hmm. He had what we considered a breakout year at a, at a young age. And because of the injury, I don't think that people really, really put enough respect on that man's name. Because if you go back and, and we talked about this pre-show, so you knew you knew this was coming. Okay. People look at the ending stat lines and they say, oh, well, you know, Drake London had 119 targets and he had a little bit over a thousand yards. Oh, that's good. That's good. Do we realize that that happened in nine games? Nine games. He legit averaged 14 targets and 135 yards per game. Like (laughs) you look at Drake London and he commanded an alpha target share last year. Like, he got 16 targets, 8 targets, 18, 13, 13, 20, 18, 13. That is insane. As a guy that I think that he can win at all different parts of the field, all the separation stuff, and I love you, Sam, but I I do not see that. I put out a tweet, 
And this is before Twitter like went on a run about it. I think yesterday or the day before about him and separation. I threw a tweet out there and people can go check the receipts. Cause I don't delete shit. So about a week ago, I was like, y'all can miss me with all this Drake London can't separate bullshit. Cause I don't see it. Period. The guy separates in the short intermediary parts of the field. If you watch his reps, there are times, and 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 I got to watch some of the All-22 film and stuff like that, where he's either running wide open and they don't throw the damn ball to him, or he's open and Keevan Slavis like just holds the damn ball for another two seconds and then throws the damn thing, and then the corners had a chance to sit there and catch up. So I think a lot of this is on the quarterback play. And Drake London, yes, all the contested catch stuff, but you have contested catches because if your quarterback is not on time with his throws, he's not getting the, rid of the ball. I think Drake London is going to be an even better pro because if he's getting accurate passes that are on time and in step and thrown with anticipation, you're going to see him better after the catch. You're going to see less contested catches in the NFL when he has better quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, the guy was an alpha last year for USC. If he would have played the entire year, the video game numbers he was on pace to put up were absolutely stupid. And people would be talking about Drake London in a very, very different light. Like, I think that he has just ridiculous alpha upside in the NFL. I think that he is going to be, and you can't put this on every wide receiver in this class. There are two guys in this class that I put in their own tier, and that's Drake London and Jamison Williams. In the elite, they could be elite alpha wide receivers. All the narratives around Jamison Williams are total horseshit. When people talk about him being like Will Fuller, you're making lazy comparisons because he's fast. That's it. If you want to compare him to Will Fuller, compare him to Will Fuller in 2020 when Will Fuller showed you that he could be a wide receiver one for an NFL franchise and he can carry a passing attack. That version of Will Fuller, that's fine. Compare him to that. But don't compare him just because he's fast and you think he's a field stretcher because that's crap. Jamison Williams can win at all three levels of the field and so can Drake London. And Drake London is going to be a red zone threat from the word go. And he's a guy that honestly... We talked about earlier uh, fitting a wide receiver with the Jets. I think Drake London could be a fit with the Jets because Drake London was used on screens. Drake London is Drake London is a bully after the damn catch. Like you look at all the different metrics and stuff like that, uh, you could parse through four wide receivers. Drake London's at the damn top in so many different things, not just contested catches. You look at yards per route run, top five. I think he was fifth off the top of my head. You look at yards per route run versus man coverage, again, I want to say, and this is off of memory, fifth. He was top 10 at the very, very least. So as a guy that showed us he had not played the X role, he had not played outside any at all at USC, I actually think he was poorly cast into a slot role at USC. If we would have seen him play the X role in multiple seasons, I think he would have put up even better numbers. But he's also a guy that we saw growth. We saw growth. If you watch his 2020 film versus his 2021 film, you see more nuance in his routes. You see him use different things like he has a better release package. You also see him pacing better in his routes and able to separate better on go routes because he just learned how to be a better wide receiver by playing football more. So you're not going to hear a bad word about Drake London out of me. Like there are some areas to his game that he needs to improve, but... I think that he, and I've said it a few different times, I'm going to harp on it again, 
he can be an alpha. Yep. And and Matt Harmon obviously put his uh, profile up on reception yep. perception the other day. And uh, I mean, he's got some great stats versus uh, press and man. And yep. honestly, and th- this is what and Matt, he destroyed zone. If you yep. so oh, anybody 93rd that percentile, 93rd yes, percentile. anybody that Very is good. not paid for for Matt Harmon's work over at reception perception, I honestly question what the hell are you doing. And th- I, I am not affiliated with Harmon at all. I just love his work, and I think he's damn good at what he does. Pay the money. Pay the money and go get access to this. Because Absolutely. you need context about wide receivers. And I am not going to tell you that I'm a film savant, but I try to Im- I-, I try to imbibe on all the data that I can get my freaking hands on. I think, like, you can sign up for Harmon's website for, like, $30 right now. That's ridiculous. You're going to spend that amount of money going to freaking McDonald's or some shit tonight. Go sign up for it and become a better fantasy football player. Yep. I mean... Sam, where's your rebuttal, man? Come on. (laughs) I don't have a rebuttal. (laughs) Derek told me everything I needed to know. I will be moving Drake London up the rankings tonight, as he should be. I'm sitting right here in the birthplace of Drake London in Moorpark, California, and I want to hear your rebuttal, Sam. I don't, on, ha- I don't have a rebuttal. <laughs> I wanted Derek to tell me no. why I should move him back up my rankings, yeah. and Derek did exactly that, and he was great with everything else. It was a blast to have you on. Um, do you want anything you got to say before we get out of here? Yeah, man. I mean, look, just follow all the content of Fantasy Pros. I'm on the main show uh, sometimes, you know two to three times a week and stuff. So subscribe to the show, dive into that, as well as the Dynasty podcast. Bogman and Fitz are doing fantastic work over there. Um, going through all of this, I've had a, a really a slew of amazing guests um, throughout the process. And look, I, I talked about consuming content. The fantasy football space has a problem with not wanting to fork over cash. Everybody wants everything for free. I'm sorry, but guess what? There's a difference in the content that you get, and I'm telling you right now, the Dynasty Rookie Draft Kit that we have out at Fantasy Pros is going to be worth every damn penny that you have. Because whether you're a seasoned Dynasty player or you're brand new to it and you're saying, okay, what is this and how do I get into it? There is legit a mountain of freaking content in there from strategy to rookie drafts to veteran profiles to prospect profiles. Hell, if you want to just go straight up, like dive into the deep end and you want to go IDP for your first dynasty league, we have IDP profiles. Bogman is crushing those for the amount of content that you get. Please go check it out. It is absolutely amazing. I know I'll be getting it. And yep. It's live on the site right now. Thanks again, Derek. We really appreciate it. For anybody, you know, checking this out, you know, you come for the quarterback talk, but you stay for that Drake London debate at the end. So, <laughs> oh, my really rant? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, no, we really appreciate your time, man. I, I, this is a great way to kick off our podcast, our, our first episode, and it uh, couldn't have been better than to have you on. So we really do appreciate it. It was a great time. Man. Here. <laughs> and a beautiful guess, ending. Yeah. A, beautiful a beautiful way. Ending. Guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and watching and staying. We will see you next week. We will have Angelo from Angelo Analysis on the talk running backs and wide receivers with us. And uh, we will see you on the flip side. Have a good night, guys.